Well, good morning, One Chapel family. So good to see you all. And uh, my name is Brent Parsley. I am the campus pastor for One Chapel Kyle. And let me just say, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. You know, we had an amazing time at the outdoor drive-in movie on Friday night at our respective campuses. And so dads, we just want you to know you are loved, you are appreciated, even when you tell us lies, like the dad lie that says, if we all pitch in, it's only gonna take five minutes. My dad said that all the time, and it was never true. Despite all those things, dads, we love you and appreciate you, and we hope you have an amazing, amazing day today. As we get started here this morning, I wanna tell you a story about a woman named Sheila. Now, Sheila, she had a situation where her heart stopped because of a food allergy that she had. And I want you to hear the weird experience that she had. She said, I found myself at ceiling level. I could see the EKG machine I was hooked to. The EKG was flatlined. The doctors and nurses were frantically trying to bring me back to life. The scene below me was a near panic situation. In contrast to the chaos below, I felt a profound sense of peace. I was completely free of any pain. My consciousness drifted out of the operating room and moved into the nurse's station. I immediately recognized that this was the nursing station on the floor where I had been prior to my surgery. From my vantage point near the ceiling, I saw the nurses bustling about performing their daily duties. After I watched the nurses a while, a tunnel opened up and I was drawn to the tunnel. I passed through the tunnel and became aware of a bright light at the end of a tunnel and I felt peaceful. After I passed through the tunnel, I found myself in an area of beautiful, mystical light. In front of me were several of my beloved relatives who had previously died. It was a joyful reunion and we embraced. I found myself with a mystical being of overwhelming love and compassion. Do you want to go back, he asked. And I responded, I don't know, which was just like my old indecisive self at the time. After further discussion, I knew the choice to return to my physical body was mine. It was, it was a most difficult decision. I was in a realm of overwhelming love. In this realm, I knew I was truly home. Finally, I returned to my body. I awoke in the ICU over a day later. I had tubes and wires all over me. I couldn't talk about my profound experience. Today, we're starting a new series called What's After. Now, this is actually a series that we're doing in conjunction with an organization called Christ Together Greater Austin. So Pastor Ross is uh, on the board of that organization, and we're joining hundreds of churches around our region talking about the afterlife. Today, we're asking this question, is there evidence for life after death? So if you believe the Bible, I'd say, sure, there's actually lots of evidence. In John chapter 14, verse 2, it says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me and also, that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I am going. And in 2 Corinthians 5.8, uh, we, we read that it says that to be away from our body is to be present with the Lord. So the Bible says, yeah, there's lots of examples of this. Yes, there's plenty of evidence for a life after death. But what if, what if I don't believe the Bible? Like, what if I have a relative or I've got a coworker or somebody who doesn't necessarily believe what the Bible says? Are there other evidences for life after death? Well, I think the answer is yes. And through this series, we're gonna look at many of those evidences and introduce you to some people who have had some near-death experiences or NDEs, as you're gonna hear them referred to probably throughout this series. Now, an NDE or a near-death experience is not like when you almost have a car wreck and you see your life flash before your eyes. What we're talking about is this experience where somebody dies, 
where they rise above their body, where they see the scene from the outside. They're transported to another reality. They might experience something that seems like a heaven or, or seems like something terrible like hell. They see and experience these amazing things, but then they actually come back to their body. So there's a Gallup poll in the U.S. that says over 13 million people have had a near-death experience. And they can describe it. And much of those descriptions have very similar experiences in them. But near-death experiences like that have also been described all over the globe. So they're happening in other countries and religions and cultures, all experiencing the same things. And what's interesting to me is how common all those experiences are from the people that relate their stories. So, so they'll all say they had something like an out-of-body experience. So they had heightened senses. They had an experienced positive emotions. Maybe they felt like they were traveling through a tunnel. They could see a mystical light as they traveled. A lot of people said that they met beings or even spoke to distant relatives who had gone on before. Many of them say that they had a life review where they saw the circumstances of their lives all at the same time. They experienced an altered sense of time and space or some would say they had some special knowledge they didn't have previously. They would talk about a boundary or a barrier and then there's a, a return to the body and many of them talk about a God of light and love. So there's a pastor and author, his name's John Burke, and he did a massive study and interviewed a whole bunch of people that experienced something like this. He actually wrote a book called Imagine Heaven, and you might want to check it out because you may find it interesting. But in that book, he took 40 common descriptions, all right, 40 common descriptions of people's near-death experiences. And he began to compare those experiences with ancient texts from around the world. And so he studied Tibetan uh, ancient religious texts. He studied Islamic and Hindu. And most of these ancient texts, they would have maybe written in them five or so of those common experiences that were defined by people. But when he got to the Jewish texts and he read through the Christian Bible, he said that those texts described 38 out of those 40 experiences. Why is that? Well, it's because... God is the author of the scriptures and he's prepared a place for us and that place is phenomenal. And that understanding right there should inform and also motivate the way that we live today. We can see a picture of God's glorious future for all of us and as followers of Jesus, we wanna live into that. And by the way, I just want you to know that's what we've always believed around One Chapel, right? We're here to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. And so heaven is a picture, this beautiful picture of every tribe, nation, and tongue all together worshiping Jesus. Our namesake has always been rooted in John chapter 17, where Jesus prayed that all of us would be one just as he and the Father are one. We've always believed that. We're striving constantly for that, that oneness, that unity. And we don't always get it right, but this is our goal and it's where we're headed. So the current cultural conversations that we're all having, that are all over, they're certainly not finished, not by a long shot. And all of us have to decide we're gonna continue to be a part of those conversations and respond like Pastor Ross has asked with humility and listening and action. But as we do, let's just make sure that we're looking towards this picture of heaven. And then we're deciding we're gonna practice heaven right here on the earth right now. We've always believed in that oneness. We've always believed in this idea of having unity through our diversity. 
So the mission of One Chapel is no different. It hasn't changed. It remains exactly the same. We are adding into some needed conversations and some intentionality to make sure that we're as healthy as we can be. So as we talk about these these near-death experiences and what people say they experience on the other side, it's really hard oftentimes for some people to believe it. In fact, there are those who just reject the data outright. But if you're willing to pause today and just consider what modern medical evidence says about them, to consider that this life doesn't end, then death is just the beginning of the story. And actually, the beginning of a very real life that's more exhilarating than anything that we've imagined. So the truth is, God's been telling us this all along. And every week through this series, you're going to hear interviews from credible people who clinically died. You're going to hear from a doctor, a college professor, a commercial airline pilot, a pastor, and some others. So you're not going to want to miss any of these interviews. And so if you're skeptical, I just I hope you stick around. If you're a follower of Jesus, I hope that you'll see how real this is. And you'll decide that you're going to live into that day. Now, Just a quick word of warning. Don't just take a few people's experiences and develop your view of the afterlife. God's given us a a much bigger understanding from the scriptures. And we're gonna hear stories that are gonna be really good, but as we'll see, there'll be glimpses into the afterlife that aren't all that good. And what people report isn't necessarily the whole picture. It's a glimpse of a very vast world. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like seeing Mount Rushmore. Everybody goes to Mount Rushmore and they see the front. They see the, the faces, the presidents, and they ooh and ah. I remember seeing this when I was a kid. But there's another side of Mount Rushmore that people don't see. It's this side right here. A lot of people don't know that that part exists. And actually, I'm, I'm, sorry, that, <laughs> I'm sorry that I showed that. That's, that's, that's inappropriate. We should just, let's just move on and get that off of there. But the same thing is true when it comes to the afterlife, everybody. There's a lot more to the afterlife than any one story shows. So we're going to look at scripture. We're going to talk through varied experience and see what God has to say about this. So I just, you, right there at home, I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. Come on, just do it. Don't make it weird. Just do it. Close your eyes there at home and try to imagine it. It's that point in life that you most feared. You breathe your last breath on the earth. And like others report, you, you leave your body, but you remain there in that room. And you're looking down at your lifeless body. You're out of your body, but you're in some new body. And it's hard to tell whether you're dead or not because actually you realize, I feel more alive and more myself than I think I ever have before. And what you thought would be really scary actually is really invigorating. Okay, I want you to open your eyes. This is what people have described to skeptical cardiologists and oncologists and a host of other doctors who've revived them. Stories like this have begun to convince many skeptical doctors of the afterlife. Just listen to how cardiologist Dr. Michael Sabum describes what changed his mind. He said, I didn't believe there was such a thing as a near-death experience. My patient told me he'd left his body during his first cardiac arrest when he watched the resuscitation. When I asked him to tell me what exactly he saw, he described the resuscitation with such detail and accuracy that I could have later used the tape to teach physicians. Sabum says, these people, like Pete, like his patient, they saw details of their resuscitation that they could not otherwise have seen. One patient noticed the physician who failed to cover his white patent leather shoes during open heart surgery. And in many cases, I was able to confirm the patient's testimony with medical records and with hospital staff. So Dr. Sabum, this doctor, he actually set out. He was going to refute 
was going to study and refute these near-death experiences. And after he studied, he said, I wanted to see if this would pass scientific muster. And it did. After five years of research, he published all of his findings in a book that he titled Recollection of Death. And he also published his findings in the the, uh, Journal of the American Medical Association. So a guy named Dr. Jeff Long, he's a radiation oncologist. He read about Dr. Sabum's findings in the Journal of the AMA. And Dr. Long started collecting and scientifically studying thousands of counts from all over the world just like Sheila's story that we read about at the beginning. He actually studied her story. And what Dr. Long concluded was, by studying thousands of detailed accounts of NDEers, I found the evidence that led to this astounding conclusion. NDEs, or near-death experiences, provide such powerful scientific evidence that it is reasonable to accept the existence of an afterlife. Many more skeptical doctors, just like these guys, are being convinced by people reporting things that they just couldn't have seen while they were dead. The Lancet, which is one of the most prestigious medical journals, published another account of a patient going into cardiac arrest and not breathing. It said at that time that a tube was being placed in the airway to ventilate the patient. It was noted that he had upper dentures. So the dentures were removed and they were placed in a crash cart drawer while the patient was deeply comatose. One week later, the patient reported having an out-of-body experience and accurately described the room he was resuscitated in and the people present. Remarkably, he declared that his lost dentures could be found in the crash cart drawer. What's convinced so many skeptical doctors are stories like this with verifiable details. So these clinically dead people, both children and adults, they described what there's no way they could have possibly seen. J.M. Holden is a professor of psychology, and he studied 93 near-death experience patients who claimed they had verifiable observations while they were out of their physical bodies. And he said, out of these body perceptions, 92% were completely accurate. He said 6% contained some error, and only 1% were completely erroneous. Listen, everybody, what I'm trying to get at here is when you die, you'll leave your body behind. But you're still you. It's just that you're you in this new spiritual body. Right? Science tells us that a single skin cell of your physical body, it dies and gets replaced every two weeks, right? At least that's what my middle school son tells me. So you're not the same physical body this month that you were last month. So what that means is whatever you are is not just physical. There's so much more to who you are. And this is actually what the Bible has been telling us for thousands of years. Look at the Apostle Paul. Paul was a Jewish Pharisee, and he was killing Christians for claiming that Jesus was the Messiah. Until on the road to Damascus, we read that he encountered a man of blinding light. Just like many NDEers, that's what we'll call them, report. They report seeing something very similar. We'll talk more about that in coming weeks. And Paul realized Jesus was who he claimed to be. But of course, seeing is not necessarily believing. Paul still had to decide if he was going to follow Jesus. It's also true the people who have a near-death experience, they still have a choice. But Paul goes on then to start churches all across the Roman Empire. And in Acts 14, it appears that Paul may have had a near-death experience when he was stoned to death. 
We read in Acts 14, verse 19, they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of town thinking that he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. So now listen to what Paul says later in 2 Corinthians 12, verse two. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know, only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and I heard things so astounding they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. And then Paul later explains that when we die, we're all gonna get new bodies. Hey, everybody, this is good news. For some of us, there's a new body coming. There's an upgrade on the way. There's like Brent Parsley version 2.0. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 43, Paul says, our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they'll be raised in strength. They're buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. I'm looking forward to that body, maybe thinning it out a little bit, maybe a few extra muscles. Not a lot, just a few, just tasteful. I'm looking forward to that day. We're gonna explore that stuff about bodies next week, but the point I'm trying to make is we will be ourselves. You're gonna be you on that day. Actually, in heaven, you'll be more yourself than ever. You'll be more yourself than you ever were here. People who have had these near-death experiences consistently say that they felt more alive than ever. They felt more themselves than ever before. Just imagine that for a second, everybody. No more baggage. No more dragging around your past and your history. No more insecurity and fear. You actually become the you, the full you, that God planned and intended for you to be, that you that you're striving for, that he's working in you right now to become. The thing is, when most people imagine heaven, they kind of imagine something less real, you know, kind of fuzzy, kind of ethereal, like uh, a little bit cloudy. And honestly, a lot of us think of heaven as just being boring. Like truth is, we have horrible views about heaven. A lot of people think that when we go to heaven, it's just gonna be us sitting on a fluffy cloud, wearing a diaper, playing a harp, listening to a choir sing. That doesn't sound very fun to me. In fact, some of you think about heaven like this. Do you remember the Far Side cartoons? I love Far Side. Some of you think about heaven like this. Man, I wish I brought a magazine. Why, because you're just so bored, because there's nothing to do there. Listen, that is not the way that it's gonna be. Some of us imagine heaven like being in like a, an endless church service. Oh, we're gonna sing Good, Good Father for eternity. And we're gonna listen to a sermon for all eternity. You all, that doesn't sound like heaven to me. There's a guy named Don Piper and uh, he was pronounced dead for 90 minutes after an 18-wheeler drove over his car. And here's what he said about heaven. As I looked around, I could hardly grasp the vivid, dazzling colors. Every hue and tone surpassed anything I'd ever seen. With all the heightened awareness of my senses, I felt as if I had never seen or heard or felt anything so real before. And actually, it's really interesting because even people who are blind report seeing the same things. There was a woman named Vicki, and she was blind from birth, and she flatlined after having a bad car accident. So because she had been blind, when she's having this experience, she had a hard time adjusting to the vis visual perception of what she was experiencing. But she realized that she was looking down on the doctors that were working on her body. She said, I finally recognized my wedding ring 
and my hair. Because her hair was down to her waist and her wedding ring had an orange blossom on it. And when she came back, she could identify both of those things. And she said, and I thought, is this my body down there? Like, am I dead or what? They're trying to frantically work on this thing that I discovered was my body. And I felt very detached from it. And I thought, I'm out of here. I can't get these people to listen to me. I'm out of here. And as soon as I thought that, I went up through the ceiling as if it were nothing. And it was wonderful to be out there, to be free, not worry about bumping into anything. And I knew where I was going. And I heard the sound of wind chimes that was the most incredible sound that I can describe. And what Vicky noticed was that she was fully herself. She had a distinct form and a non-physical body that she said was actually made of light. She found herself going up through a dark enclosure that she described kind of like a tube. She heard this sublimely beautiful and harmonious music that she said transitioned then into songs of worship and praise to God. And as she reached the opening of the tube, she found herself on the grass with flowers and trees and a vast number of people that were surrounding her. She said it was a place of tremendous light. And this light was something that you could, you could feel it as well as see it. Even the people that she saw, she said, were bright. And she said, everybody there was made of light and I was made of light. What the light conveyed was love. There was love everywhere. It was like love came from the grass. Love came from the birds. Love came from the trees. It was like love came from all these places and it was incredible, really beautiful. And I was overwhelmed by that experience because I really couldn't imagine what life was like. It's still, she said, a very emotional thing when she talks about it. What's amazing is that Vicky and other blind people describe light coming out of everything rather than shining on things. You say, well, that's weird. How could somebody who was blind get that idea? Well, the truth is, it's something that the Bible teaches. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, it says, the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light. The prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 12 says, the dead will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Vicky and others, they describe this light that's coming out of everything. And this, it's, like, it's like life and love and full of vibrant color and indescribable music and time and travel. They just operate like it's a, another dimension. Now, if that seems weird to you or maybe even a little bit frightening, it really isn't. In fact, what people report is, is they say, it feels like home. I've never felt so much at home. It's actually where we belong. And it's somewhere where we'll never be alone. Because heaven was meant for relationship. God intended for us to have this relationship. And these people who get a glimpse of heaven, they all agree on one thing more than anything else. They all say that love is the point of it all. Love is the point. And that actually shouldn't surprise us because Jesus himself said that you can sum up the entire Bible this way, by loving God and loving people. It sums up the whole story. 
So if love and relationship is the goal of life here on earth, why would we think that God wants to tear that apart or change it or take relationships away once we get to heaven? Like nothing could be further from the truth. There's a guy named Marv Bestman. He was a bank president and he died in the hospital. And he recalls seeing a welcome party when he got there. A welcome party that consisted of close relatives and people who had spiritually influenced him throughout his life or that he had spiritually influenced. They welcomed him in. And Marv said, both of my friends were prayer warriors and we'd spent many hours praying together. I'm not sure if this is why God chose these two guys for me to see, but they were significant to me in my spiritual life. And everyone I saw had been influential in shaping my life in some way. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse nine, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. You see it, everybody? God designed for relationships to last and then to go to new depths in heaven. He created all of us for relationship and first and foremost to have an intimate relationship with him. This is what he's after. And then to have relationship with other people that help us to live our lives here and then on into eternity. You guys, this is why we talk about groups so much. This is why we're encouraging you to jump into a group and find a place. We just started our group semester for the summer this past week. It's not too late. Go to onechapel.com, click your campus and find a group. There's groups on Zoom. There's groups that are now meeting in person. Find a place for you to connect and do some of this stuff that God has planned and destined for you to do. Be in relationship. So the other thing that's really amazing before we finish here It's how people with these experiences around the globe, both young and old, they consistently describe seeing this being of light who they know to be God. Those who follow Jesus, they they say they know, oh, well, it's Jesus. But some people who don't know who he is, they're not sure, but Jesus is the one that they're describing. Dr. George Ritchie is a psychiatrist at the University of Virginia. He died of pneumonia. In fact, he has the death certificate to prove it. He didn't realize he was dead. He was was looking down at his body and then a light came into the room. Listen to what he said. It was impossibly bright. It was like a million welder's lamps. I thought, I'm glad I don't have physical eyes at this moment because this light would destroy the retina in a tenth of a second. No, I corrected myself. Not the light. He, he would be too bright to look at. For now I saw that it was not light, but a man who had entered the room or rather a man made out of light. And he knew who it was. It was Jesus, the one who he had learned about in a bunch of stories in Sunday school. But he kind of figured he was real gentle and meek. You know, he assumed he was probably kind of a weakling. But he said, this person was power itself, fused together with an unconditional love. Don't you love that description? Power itself, fused together with an unconditional love. And it overwhelmed me an astonishing love, a love beyond my wildest imagining. This love knew every unlovable thing about me. The quarrels with my stepmom, my explosive temper, the sexual thoughts I could never control, every mean selfish thought and action since the day I was born and accepted and he loved me just the same. When I say he knew everything about me, this was simply an observable fact. For into the room, along with his radiant presence, simultaneously came every single episode of my entire life. Everything that had ever happened to me was simply there. 
in full view, all seemingly taking place at the moment. How this was possible, I didn't know. I was transfixed. I stared at myself, standing in the blackboard in third grade, receiving my eagle badge, wheeling Papa Dabney into the veranda. Hundreds, thousands of scenes, they were all illuminated by that searing light in an existence where time seemed to have ceased. What's incredible is how this idea, this sort of life review is consistent in the NDE stories. And the presence of this man of light who people describe as being unconditional love. And even though he knows everything about me, every thought, every motive, every deed, thousands report this being of light who is love. And that's exactly what we should expect. Because 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. In Matthew 10, 26, we read, for there's nothing concealed that won't be disclosed or hidden that won't be made known. And the apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 4, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Here's the thing I want you to remember today. Jesus knows everything that you've ever thought, that you've ever done, that you've ever experienced. And this God of light loves you more than you realize. We're gonna look at more at this life review that we're talking about in the weeks to come, but there's just something I want you to know for now. God loves you. God actually, he's not mad at you. In fact, he wants to reward you. And God has prepared a place that's a great celebration and reward for a life lived faithfully, for a life lived in loving faithfulness to him and to our fellow man. But also, I want you to remember this, that God has you here right now for a purpose. And it's not too late for any of us to find that purpose and to live into it. And that's what's amazing is we'll see. God, he's the God of compassion. He's a God of mercy and grace. He's the God of the second chance. If you feel like for you, it's too late. I don't know if I'll ever experience what you're talking about. I'm just telling you, he's the God of the second chance. And there's nobody that loves you more. In fact, I like one pastor who I heard, he said, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. God loves you more than you know. And we're gonna look at all of this and much more in the weeks to come. You know, I, asked, I started this message by asking you to, to live into this day. You wanna live into this future that God has planned for us. We talked about heaven and how we all, we wanna practice heaven here. Having heaven come to earth through our lives right now. And I know that for some of us, this isn't quite possible. And it's because we've never actually surrendered to the king of the kingdom of heaven. We've never turned our lives over. And so for you, you're, today as you stop, as you pause, as you reflect, as you think about your life, you realize, you know, if I ever found myself in this experience, I don't know what experience I would have. Well, there's something you can do about that today. And you can lean in to trust and faith in Jesus because he's already paid everything that you need on the cross. He's taken care of all of your sin for all time. He paid a penalty so you don't have to. And right now, if you wanna say, I just wanna lean in and I wanna follow and serve him with all of my life, I can help you. In fact, I'll just help you with the words. You say something like this. You say, Jesus, I choose today to believe in you. I give you my life. I surrender everything that I am to you. I'm turning away from the life that I used to live and I'm gonna live my life for you. And Jesus, 
right here in this moment, the best way I know how, I'm giving you my life. And Father, I pray for everybody that's making that decision today, that you would give them the grace and the power and the ability and the endurance to continue to say yes and to follow you. And for all of us and for our One Chapel family, God, we pray that over these coming weeks, you would help us to open up to the reality of the place that you've prepared for us, of the life that you want us to live here and lean into the next. And God, help our church family to bring heaven to earth. We thank you for this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, groups are starting. Go to onechapel.com. Click your campus, find a group to plug into this week because many of them are gonna be talking about this subject matter and I think you really might enjoy it. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, everybody. Have a great Sunday.